0: Hey, folks, and welcome to another episode of the I am Northwest Arkansas podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today, as I always am. And this day is very special. Typically, I've told you guys in the past that I typically batch record podcast episodes on a Monday and Tuesday. And, you know, I get a chance sometimes to in one day sit down with several really exciting people. and. Today's guest is is certainly no exception to that rule. He is uh, Dr. John L. Colbert, and he is the superintendent of the Fayetteville Public School Systems. And he's somebody that I have been hunting down for quite some time now to get on the podcast and tell his story. And I thought now more than ever before, it was the most appropriate time to really sit down and. You know, tell his story. I'm a big fan of giving people their flowers while they're still alive. And I think that's really important, right? I mean, I think that's it's always nice to hear things about somebody after they're gone, but not that he's going anywhere. I wanna be very clear about that. I'm just saying that it's important for people to acknowledge folks that are doing amazing things in their local community. And Dr. John L. Colbert is is certainly has been doing that for years. And so without further ado, I want to welcome someone to the podcast who is currently the Fayetteville Public Schools Superintendent. He was also a teacher of special education. He was a principal at uh, Jefferson and Holcomb Elementary Schools. He was the assistant superintendent for elementary education. He was the associate superintendent for support services. And he was the first African-American to serve the Fayetteville Public Schools as a principal assistant superintendent, associate superintendent, and superintendent. Did I get enough in? There's a lot in there. So, But Dr. Colbert, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much
1: for joining us. Thank you very much, Randy. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, absolutely. We finally did it. We finally did it. We
0: finally (laughs) did it. So listen, I do want to go back because a lot of times when we talk to people about their background. And I always want to introduce to our listeners who they're listening to and why they should even care in the first place. I would love for you just to share a little bit about your origin story and your background. And you can go back before, you know, you you started working with the Fayetteville Public Schools, but I would love for you just to kind of share with this audience a little bit about who John L.
1: Colbert is. Sure. I'll be happy to. And that's just that my journey began a long time ago, even before I got to Fayetteville as being an educator. I am from a small town called Rondo, Arkansas. My parents, Mr. and Mrs. Elsie Colbert, was uh, raised in a family with love and caring, and we had there were 10 of us. Wow. There was six boys and four girls. And so I was number 6. So it was as though I was raised with two families because I was the baby of that first group, and then I became the head honcho of the second group. So it was almost like I was never in a big family. It was always small. You know, we had, I grew, grew up with the older kids, and then I was grew up with the young ones. So it was kind of neat to be yeah. in the middle, to see both groups uh, grow up, and, and how your parents actually treated them differently. Yeah. You know, when they had the first one, strict and all that good <laughs> stuff, and then the, the ones came after me and said, wait a minute, Dad, y'all didn't let us do all that stuff. So <laughs> so it was kind of fun in wow. that sense. Yeah.
0: that's right awesome. And so you yeah. were like a bridge between almost generations Yes, exactly. Of
1: yes, right. Wow, that's so exciting. It was, was kind of neat. So it was, a, it was a great time. We grew up and, and I had fun and mom and dad just took care of us and told us, hey, the top thing is that you need to make sure you get a good education mm-hmm. and make sure, you know, you follow the rules. You know, I've, I've always been a rule follower all my life and trying to make sure I did the right thing because that's what I was taught. And then, of course, you know, we were raised in the church. I told someone the other day, I went back to visit my 94-year-old mother who's still living. Oh, wow. And we went to church. And I said, you know, back in the day, we used to go to church and stay there all day long. So when I went back this past weekend prior to spring break, we stayed in church like we used to from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. Oh, man. But we had a great time. So um, uh, it was just brought back a lot of memories, yeah. because that's the way we were brought up. Hey, you have to be in church on Sunday. That's right. And then the, I had a friend who texted us this coming Sunday and said, hey, man, I can't be at church. I've been going here to there. I said, well, my parent would say, no matter what you did that weekend yeah. b- before Sunday, you're going to be in church. In church. So, after all of my traveling during spring break, I did lived up to that. I was right in church with them and stayed from 9 a.m. until 5 p.m. So it's great. But that's just the way it was, you know. Yeah. And then after that, you know, raising us, making sure that we were guard-fearing people and making sure that we got a good education. And, uh, you know, I went to, I was one of the, what we call the black sheep of the family. Everybody <laughs> else went to Mariana Public Schools, but I asked mom and dad to let me go ahead and, and go to Barden. And so they did. And that Why Bar- was that? Oh, I don't know. It just it had a little special connotation. Barden was like I was like a little private, a little special school. And I always thought I was a little special. (laughs) (laughs) And so they agreed to let me do that. And so and then which led me to the educational piece. And of course, when I was there, I was involved with all the organization. I was the vice president of the student council. And so, you know, normally the vice president always did a special project. And my thing, uh, for some reason, I, I just love helping people. And so I started a, a tutorial program okay. in high school when I was a junior as uh, the student council president. And so, and, and all the kids really love that and all that. And I did too. And so I said, well, I sort of like that. And so, you know, what's this leading to now? Right? That tutorial program, helping kids, teaching kids. And then what really put on the cake, my superintendent called me over the intercom in Mrs. Birch's English class. And says, "Uh, Mrs. Barrett, may I see John L. Colbert in my office? Of course, what did the other classmate do? Oh, Uh -oh, you're in trouble. (laughs) Right. I said, the superintendent is calling me, Mr. Aubrey. And why are you calling me to the office? You know, she says, John, L., go ahead and go to the office and see Mr. Aubrey. so I did. Uh, This is the superintendent, not even the principal, but the superintendent knew me. And so I said, wow, what is this about? So I go in there and we sit down. He started talking to me and says, hey. John L., you know, you, this role model, kids look up to you and all that stuff. You're a good student. I said, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Keep coming. (laughs) And he kept, you know, making me feel so good and all the good things about what I do and and good students follow rules and all that stuff. And I said, thank you, Mr. Aubrey. And he says, I have a favor of you. I said, you have a favor? You want me to do a favor for you? He says, yes, I do. I said, sure, you know, I'm a compliant person. Whatever adults ask you to do, I normally do it. He says, I want you to be a bus driver. I said, A bus driver, Mr. Dobry? he says, Yeah, because, you know, you're a model student. Kids look up to you. They always follow the rules anytime you do that. You have this great tutorial program. They love you, and that's it. And so I said, Sure. Sure, Mr. Albritton, I would love to be a bus driver. And you so, had your license at this point, uh, right? Yes, I had my license. Okay, went, right. We didn't have a CDL now. Okay, that right, wasn't right. required. That was, yeah. But I did have li- a okay. license because I used to drive my little convertible. You know, I used to be the big talk of the uh, city <laughs> because of my <laughs> convertible. So he asked me to do that. And so as a person, I say, yes, I would do that for you, Mr. Albritton. He says, great. And so I drove a school bus as a junior in high school. Wow. Because someone saw me doing the right thing, helping other people and helping the kids. And I did that for a year. And guess what? I did not have a single problem out of those kids. He was right. (laughs) They all looked up to me. You know, I was 17 year old kids and these little kids all looked up to me and all that stuff. And so all of that, you know, being a bus driver, Listening to the kids, really listen to me, follow the rules and all that stuff. And then that tutorial program, guess what I decided to do after I graduated? Become a teacher. Become a teacher. <laughs> so that laid the foundation. It was a fait
0: accompli. I mean, it just, right. you, you were I just knew, set up for yeah, that. I
1: knew what I wanted to do. And I knew that I wanted to be a special teacher. a special ed teacher because remember my tutorial program was helping those kids who had academic problems. So, and they really responded to me because, you know, I made it very interactive even when they asked, you know, a junior high school kid over the tutorial program. So I I really love that. And so when I got ready to graduate and my mom said, okay, Johnny, what are you going to do? I said, I want to be a teacher. She said, really? I said, yes, I do. And so of course they always supported everything that we did. So I decided to become a teacher. Then I had to decide on where would I go? to college. And so, lo and behold, we had Mr. Duffy. He was a recruiter from the University of Arkansas. And he came to Barton and recruited me and said, hey, man, you know, I read your background and all that stuff. I think you would be a great student at the University of Arkansas in Fayetteville. I said, Fayetteville? (laughs) Now, you tell me where that is because, you know, at that time, we didn't know. Yes. And so, he said, sure, you should come up there and all that stuff. You'll love it and all. And I said, okay, I'll try it. I went and came here, I came here 50 years ago, wow. a summer right after I graduated from high school. high school. So this coming June, it'll be 50 years that so you, I came here. Gra- I lived here more, longer than I did back home. Right. Yeah. Wow. So you graduated
0: high school in, in 1973. Three, 1973. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 50 okay. years ago. That's
1: exciting. Yeah. I came here and as I told you, I wanted to major in special education and, and I did. And then, of course, you know, during that time, I was acting, pledge Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity and was very involved there. And then I did all that during college because I I feel like you need to be involved. My parents always say, hey, you would stay out of trouble if you're involved with some type of organization who's really making a difference. And Alpha was doing that. So, hey, I said, that's me. Yeah, Giving back, volunteering for the community and all that stuff. So I joined the uh, fraternity Alpha Phi Alpha and then I was studious because, you know, I told the brothers, hey, I'm here to get an education. Right. And so I did. I did that in three years and graduated. And then after three years, I had to make a decision because I had, you know, different people recruiting me to come to their district. One was in Dallas and one was in Georgia. Then one was here in Fayetteville. And so I had to say, oh, my God. I need to make a decision here. Should I go to the big city where the big lights are? or Should I stay in a small? Remember, Fayetteville was small. small when back I, yeah, 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 50 yeah. years ago. So I made a decision. I said, I think I'm going to stay here in Fayetteville. Mr. Knight was the principal. Okay. Uh, and invited me and, and said, Hey, and to an interview. And he liked what I had to say. And I said, Hey, I'd like to uh, offer you a special education class. And I said, Sure, I'll take it. So that was the best decision I made uh, 50 years, uh, well, that was 47 years ago when I accepted that position. And so I, I started teaching special ed. And, and like I said, even with when I was a junior in high school doing that tutorial, I was very interactive with my kids. I wanted to engage them. Sure. And I did all those good things with my special ed students. They were fifth and sixth grade students. And so my other team members, five great uh, white uh, females teachers uh, in the fifth and sixth grade wing. And they saw me doing all these great things and kids responding and doing great. And guess what they said? told Mr. Knight, we want him to be part of our team (laughs) so that we can do the same thing. And I tell them the only way I would join the team I must make sure that I have my kids to be integrated integration back in that time yeah. with special ed, you know. And I felt that that was great that we was going to make sure all the kids rotated and they were part of the regular classroom teachers. Right. And so that, that was a big hit back in the day. And they agreed to that. And I must say, Mrs. Pittenton, Mrs. Briggs, Mrs. Cleveland, and Mrs. Lockhart, they took me under their wings and really helped me through that journey. I would always credit them for being good role models because they were strong teachers. They didn't take getting mass from anybody. And so I I practiced some of those little skills that they had. And so and, and I felt that, hey, that really helped me become a great teacher, which I thought I was anyway, but it just helped solidify that thought that I had that I can do this. They believe in me. My principal believed in me. And so from that, you know, I did a lot of um, substitution for the principal when it was out. I was the unofficial assistant principal (laughs) that didn't get paid. And so uh, and that's because he saw me and notice what's happening. That's a trend. Superintendent watched me. So I tell kids all the time, always remember someone's always watching you. Always. Always. Always watching yeah. So my superintendent saw what I did and he invited me to be that bus driver. And then I come and get this job, Bates Elementary. My principal saw all the great things I was doing, how I related to everyone, regardless of who you were. Sure. He saw that. And so he felt that I would be a good, lead assistant, unpaid uh, person to fill in when he wasn't there. And so I did that, loved it, loved my kids, loved my fellow teachers and all. And parents were great at Bates Elementary. And then another great thing happened to me during the time when I was being that unofficial unpaid assistant principal, a person by the name of Pat Jackson. Notice I remember all these names 47 years ago.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're good good with names. That's they Because
1: they made a difference in my life. That's the reason why. Sure. And so Pat Jackson came as an intern in HR. She did her internship at Bates, you know, working with the principal and also worked with me as the unofficial assistant principal. And then we had a great time and all that stuff. And the year passed and Pat left and got a job in Fort Smith. And then a um, a principalship came open at, in Fort Smith. Guess who Pat called? You. Me. Yeah. Why? Again, she what? Saw me in action. Yeah. And absolutely. she was watching me. So my message to everybody, don't forget people are watching you daily. Yeah. And that can make a difference in your life. And because that, I can contribute that to, hey, people was watching me. I did the right thing. And they saw that I was successful from the bus driver, from the teacher, from the principal that she hired me because she was in that building for a year and saw me in action and invited me to come to Fort Smith to be a principal at Howard Elementary. I did that three years. I commuted to Fort Smith over the old Highway 71. (laughs) Before the Bobby Hopper tunnel. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And guess how many days did I miss school those three years? None?
0: Zero. Yeah, wow. Zero. Wow.
1: And it was very interesting. You know, the climate is totally different in Fayetteville and in Fort Smith.
0: Yeah, the River Valley
1: and, is different. Yes, right. It's different. You know? It would be snowing and ice and everything here in Fedville and in Fort Smith. The sun was out. Right. But that first year, I drove by myself. If for some reason God was with me, I would leave so early that the snow and everything would come in, and I get to Fort Smith. There was nothing. Sure. And so I went to work every day. And then the last two years, my wife, and my late wife Cheryl Jumper Colbert. She got a teaching. She was a teacher also in Fayetteville. And then we said, Oh, well, we may be moving to Fort Smith. So she got a teaching job in Fort Smith. And so we drove together the last two years with my, uh, her, and myself, and, and my uh, young, oldest daughter. And so we did that for two years. And out of that two years, there was only one bad day that we had. And my wife says, John, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to sit. And I, I said, Hey, I can't miss a day of school. I'm going to work. So I did go. On, I don't know if you know about Artist Point. That's a curve, sharp curve on the old Highway 71. And I got in the ditch. I said, oh, like, oh, my God, what's going on? But uh, for some reason, I had one chain. I don't, don't tell me about it. Uh, don't ask me why I only had one chain in my car, truck. And I got that one chain out and put it on my car. And I made it to Fort Smith. Really? And everybody else passed me. And guess where I passed them? Uh, Mountainburg, because they couldn't get here. I got up the got hill. The but hill. With one. the chain. Again, I did not miss a day. So- Fortunately, uh, then uh, uh, the next year an opening came at came open at Jefferson Elementary. I was back into my hometown, Fedville. and so I accepted that position at Jefferson Elementary. That was my first uh, principalship in Fayetteville at Jefferson Elementary. What at year a, was that? Uh, that was 87. Okay. okay. So 84 through 87, I was in Fort Smith, Fort Smith. Uh, as a
0: principal. Now, did your wife get a job back here, up here? Uh, yes, right.
1: Yeah. Okay. she. Kept, yes, right. And uh, no, actually, she came back in, and started having mother kids. kids. <laughs> she was home Yes, okay. she stayed at okay. home after that. And then, uh, and from that, uh, a great, uh, what, uh, eight years there at Jefferson. Did a wonderful thought I was going to be there for the rest of my career. And lo and behold, a new school, two new schools were being built. And, you know, the dream of a principal is always to open a new, new school. school. yeah. And so I said, oh, let me put my name into that. But I hated to leave Jefferson, but sure. I said, wow, can I miss this opportunity? And so, of course, you know, my, mm-hmm. again, my superintendent, my uh, uh, interim superintendent during that time, uh, Mr. Carr, and um, he said, um, had been watching me and doing success. He said, hey, you, are you interested in, and go into this new school. And I said, yeah, we had two schools, Vandegrift and Holcomb. So okay. we had to, I had to make a decision. I said, oh, I'll take Holcomb. And Dr. Stark took um, Vanderbilt. And so you know, I had that opportunity to go in and create a school. It still has my brand on it because i was just meeting because, you know, I had to hire new teachers and all that. And then parents had to uh, get to know me. And one at, I remember this one fall and I said, now, now who are you? Tell us who you are. Why are you want to be? And so I had to sell myself to them and all. And then after that, it was just like I was in heaven. I had the greatest staff members. I had the support from the parents, it was just awesome. So I I had a great time at uh, Holcomb. And then the funniest thing about that, though, as I got back in Fedville, my wife did tell me, she said, honey, I really missed those three hours we had in the car (laughs) because I had you captured for at least three hours. So so she she enjoyed that ride with me and everything. So anyway, so getting that new car, new uh, building and and being uh, the principal at Holcomb is, is just like a joy for us to get together. My staff and I, we developed the Theme and motto and vision and everything that uh, it just it was just great and the parents were it was so supportive and it seems like it's always been that as a teacher parents I had to meet them out of my hands because you know they know that I was going to take care of their kids they knew that I was going to treat every kid with respect yeah. and take care of them regardless who they were sure. that was John L and that's where I am today yeah. I want to make sure that every kid succeeded regardless who they were yeah. and parents like that and they knew. That I wasn't wishy washy. <laughs> that if the rules were the rules, that's it. Those are the rules. Right. And they respected that. Yeah. And then kids, they knew that, hey, the rules are the rules. And they knew that that's the way it should be. Yeah. And I will never forget that as the Prince would that I could walk into a cafeteria, kids was, <laughs> and John L. Cobra would go in there and stand just like this, <laughs> didn't have to say a word, forwarded some kids. Immediately, you could hear a pin drop. Because they knew that their principal wanted their attention and they gave it to it. Yeah. Didn't have to yell anything. Yeah. So it was powerful.
0: Man. Well, I mean, I'm just, I'm processing all that you've just shared with me and I appreciate you kind of giving us kind of a play by play of a good portion of your career. But as I'm doing, and I don't do public math that often, but as I was doing some public math in my head, you know, you've been involved in public education in six decades. That's a lot. Right, I know. So you know, it's like, <laughs> and I'm not trying to age you here. I'm just trying <laughs> to not, say, are you uh, No, right no. Okay. But but the bottom line is, you've been involved in in public education for six decades, and you've seen a lot of changes. You've seen a lot of changes, and I know, you know, as, as I'm thinking about, you know, who might be listening to this, there may be a young educator that's a listener of ours. As, as a matter of fact, I know that there are. There are a lot of teachers that listen to this podcast. There are a lot of people that want to get into the teaching profession. And teaching has changed a lot and my mom was a teacher, so I have a lot of respect for what you were able to do and I remember her telling me about you know what helped her to become a better teacher and one of the things was having a mentor as a teacher like what you described early on in your career, somebody that would take you under their wing and help you to really grow in the profession. and to me, I always thought teaching was a noble profession right it wasn't one that you were necessarily going to get rich on <laughs> no. but but through your sacrifice through your dedication through your desire to mold minds you were going to essentially affect the next generation and the generation to come after that because of what you were imparting to those impressionable kids how has education changed in your mind over that time frame so we go we can go back to the early 70s to where we are today. I mean, you're about to depart as the superintendent of public schools here in Fayetteville, and we're in 2023 as the time of of recording this, and things have changed a lot in public education. I mean, what would you
1: say about that? Well, you know, the demand is so great these days in order to make sure that as an educator, you have to be um, very keen and on top of the new procedures and new guidelines, the pressure that you get from all corners, from some parents and then from the state and from the government and all that stuff. It seems as though back in the day, although that was not so much a pressure on uh, teachers, they were allowed to go in and teach and take care of kids and do what was right. And that's what it's about. But now it seems as though everything has to be very careful and, about what a teacher has to say, yeah, what they do, yep, and what they teach. And that really put a, a damper on the creativity of what a teacher can offer to a kid. You know, a teacher needs to have that freedom within, you know, boundaries. We have a curriculum that we have to follow and all that stuff, but I don't want them to just use a little... Cutter think it's going to fit every kid. It doesn't, you know? You have to find a way that you're going to reach those kids and you have to make sure that you're teaching to the students, be it white, black, blue, or brown. Doesn't matter. And they need to hear about them, about their culture, about their background. You integrate that into your lessons to make sure you capture their interest. Right. Because you have touched their lives. You're saying something about their people, whatever. That makes a difference. It does. It does. It does. And so that is being almost like our hands are almost tied that can I say anything about black people? Or can I say that this person was black who created the, uh, you know, the stoplight and signal light, you know, why should that be? Why should I have to think and be concerned about what the public is going to say?
0: Yeah. stressful. So it sounds like what you're what you're describing now is kind of the state of affairs that we find ourselves in with public education. And exactly, it's, yeah. and it's almost as if teachers kind of have either one or both hands tied behind their back. Yes, correct, and are not basically given a full runway, if you will, of options. Yes, to use to educate these children. And 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 what's a shame about that is that you know, and I'm holding up my camera here for or my phone for anybody that can see this is that the bottom line is we have access to so much information nowadays. And it's almost a blessing and a curse. Right. Exactly, so, yeah. you know, And that's, and
1: that's, that's the reason the why challenge. you still need those good teachers to help direct that. You yeah. Know, help yeah. them, you know, because they are exposed to it. But, you know, sometimes you need that guidance. Yeah. And who's, of course, the parents are the first teachers, but the second is the, the classroom teacher. So they need that and all. And sometimes we get so much pushback and say, hey, you know, you better not do that. And you, offended some group and this group. You know, it's not about offending anyone. It's about exposing and letting people know, hey, what this world is made of yeah, and where did we come from? How did we get where we are today? And that's what makes life tick. It does. It does. No, you're absolutely right. You can hide that. It's there. It is. It's there. It is. It is. And I think
0: about like some of the interactions that I have, even like my My sixth grade teacher, Miss Lacey, Theo Lacey, she's still alive. She's 90 years old. And I always think about, and I talk to her from time to time Mm -hmm. just to check in because she and my mom were peers and colleagues and and she was a little older than my mom, but definitely somebody that kind of coached her along. But I just remember the profound effect that Miss Lacey had on my life, both at the time that I was physically in her class. To today, and I'm 53, and the difference and and everything that impacted me in, in that 41 years time, she played a major role in that. And that's the role that most teachers should play right. in the lives of their students, where you are relearning and re-remembering and taking lessons that were, were imparted to you in those primary years of education when you become an adult. Right. And, right, and, and yeah. it just allows you. And, and some of the lessons that you were teaching and the lessons that you learned yourself, which allowed you to become a bus driver right. at 16. Yeah. You know, those lessons serve you well through life. Exactly. Yeah, they really do. And that to me is my biggest concern about where we're headed in education, in public education, because if you hamper the efforts of effective educators to truly educate the child, the whole child, then
1: I mean, what does that mean for our society? It means that we are going to lose out, and our kids are going to lose out. And then also with that pressure on those great model teachers, some of them say, "Hey, it's not worth it." No, they're going to take all of those skills that they have and and leave the profession. Career, yes, yeah, yeah. That is my concern with all the pressure that's going on that's put on teachers today. It's going to, we're going to lose some good teachers.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. let's hope that maybe there's a policymaker out there that's listening to this and, <laughs> yeah, and we'll, be, we'll be encouraged by the conversation because yeah. again, it is a real talk It is. it's yeah. something it's, that we have to be concerned right. with. But, you know, honestly, this episode is to celebrate you, is to celebrate the life of John L. Colbert and what you have meant to the Fayetteville public school systems. And by proxy, the thousands of families that you've come in contact with over the years and I'm sure for every decade people have a John L Colbert story but is there anything that as you start cuz I can only imagine in your head you're starting to process the end of this this particular journey right and now you're going to pick up a you're going to pick up something else and run with it but but because because once a teacher always a teacher but is there anything in particular that stands out in your mind about what this whole period means for you, both as an educator, as as a principal, as a superintendent, as an administrator? What is your biggest kind of aha moment as you come to the end of your career with the Fayetteville Public School Systems?
1: You know, as I reflect upon my journey as an educator, the three years in Fort Smith and then the other uh, 44 years here in Fayetteville, it's one of them, um, joy for one thing, and then I'm just hoping that I leave a legacy where people see that John L. Colbert wanted to make a difference in the life of all kids. And I still hope that that is going to continue to happen because as I look at some of my colleagues and fellow teachers now, they have that passion and they have that love for education that they too want the same thing to occur. They too want to make sure that every kid is going to receive a quality education, regardless if they're in a public school that mm-hmm. I support or private, whatever. But public schools has been a the corner, cornerstone of this nation, and sure. we can't forget that. Yeah, we can't forget that. So I'm hoping that that should always be out front. And then you know, as I think about my journey, I'm going to use two two things that really touched my life and really made me wanted to continue to be uh, an educator. One is that from that bus driving situation, 50 years later, I'm in Hot Springs at a funeral. A minister came down the aisle looking for me and says, <laughs> are you John L. Colbert? And I said, yes, I am. And you know what he told me? He says, hey, I was one of the little students on that school bus that you drove. And I want you to know that I appreciated the fact that you took care of us. Yeah, I want you to know that. Yeah, Man, that was 50 years ago. Wow. He came and found me. And then there was a student who attended Bates Elementary, and she did a little article on the, in the newspaper. And that article said that, thank you, Mr. Colbert, for being that great teacher and world model, being that black teacher. I want you to know that the things that you taught, this is a white student, the things that you taught us, the values and all the things that we learn. I'm teaching it to my son. I said, wow.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, um,
1: so I'm hoping that <laughs> I've touched a lot of lives sure. that they too would make sure that we continue to live in a society that every person is treated with respect regardless yeah. who they are. Yeah. Every person is given the opportunity to succeed, regardless who they are sure that has always been my philosophy man making sure that we make a difference in the lives of all kids regardless who they are
0: yeah and again like i said we can't play favorites in that area. no we, we can't have, we have no I mean, we have to teach the whole child right. and all
1: of the children yes yeah oh so, right because yeah. you want them to be productive citizens right and how you do that Give them a good education. Exactly. And also let them know that you love them, you care for them, and you're going to be there for them. Sure. And I did that for my teachers, I did that for my kids, and all. Yeah. That's my philosophy.
0: You know, before we close up, I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are around the fact that a lot of times in, in this day and age, you know, kids aren't taught to critically think and to reason, right? Like, you know, when I was in high school, and again, I was in high school in the 80s, I mean, the debate team was big. So that way I could, if I didn't agree with something that you agreed to with, that we could debate that, right, and have a conversation about it as opposed to kind of yelling at each other saying, oh, well, your ideas are dumb and mine are superior or, you know, whatever. How? What do you say to that whole concept of being able to critically think and reason and the fact that it is not as, it doesn't exist the way that it used to exist? And I don't know that, I mean, I'm sure it's
1: being taught. Yeah. But I want to invite anyone into any classroom in the federal public schools that we are not trying to darken it or whatever. We're trying to make sure that you are a critical thinker. We do that and we continue to do that. And we allow kids to be engaged because we want to empower them. Because remember, we just can't you know, we don't do the things that we <laughs> teachers used to do—just feed and stand there and lecture, lecture, lecture. Right. We don't do that anymore. We want kids to be thinkers. We want to give you a problem. We want you to solve. Turn around and, and talk to your buddy next to you in the classroom. That happens. Yeah. You know, that teacher's not just sitting up there teaching all the time. They want to give those a situation to you as a student, and they want you to solve that. Sure. So that creating being a creative thinker. That happens still today.
0: Yeah. And it's, you want to encourage that at every turn. Yeah. Uh, I do it with my three boys. Right. I'm constantly right. telling them to, you know, you have to think through your, exactly. the, the, the things right. that you're doing, why yeah. you're doing them, what motivates you to do them. And I right. mean, it's, I think it's important.
1: Exactly. Uh, for that and message. we always tell parents, you are the first teacher in that child's life. Right. And you should always be. We just come along to help subsidize the things that's maybe missing right. to help your child grow, help your child be a creative thinking. That's what we're there for.
0: Yeah. No. Well, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, you you've said it so many different ways, and I, I appreciate you kind of giving us a full undertaking of your experience as we wind up here. What what is your advice for the incoming superintendent um, John Mulford, who'll be taking over? And and I know that they there were several. Highly esteemed individuals that were interviewed and and taken through the process by the Fayetteville School Board. But I'm curious to know what what would be your one piece of advice that from one superintendent to another that you would impart to Mr. Mulford as he comes in and takes over from where John L. Colbert left off?
1: Mr. Mulford, you are the superintendent for all kids. Take care of all kids. And make sure that they all are being successful. That would be my advice. Okay. For all kids. All kids. Okay. I'm a superintendent for everyone. Yeah. Not just a select few, not the one on the east side, not the one on the west side, south of north, but every kid who's in my district, I'm the superintendent for them. Yeah. And I want them all to be successful. That's the advice that I would give to you.
0: I love that. Well, you know, clearly the Fayetteville school system thought enough of you that they want your legacy to, to <laughs> yeah. exist beyond just your time with the school system. So they've decided to name a middle school after you, the John L. Colbert Middle School. And uh, I don't know, what what is the mascot for the school? Colbert.
1: Col- Colbert. Okay. All right. That's Col- <laughs> <go. Colbert's. laughs> Yeah, I love that. So
0: what does that mean to you?
1: Well, I'm just honored, first of all, and I appreciate the board and and the community for uh, giving me uh, that opportunity to have a school name after me. So I'm, I'm humbled in that sense, and it means a lot. And then um, and, and one thing about that, um, it's, it's not just for me, but it's for every African-American uh, citizen, you know, that, that means a lot to them too. Yeah. And it's just amazing how people have been saying, hey, we're going to be there. Yeah, because this is for us. Absolutely, but we are there to support you. But hey, this is for us. Exactly. So when I hear that, I say, you're right. Because the things that I've done, I want to be that trailblazer who have left that path for others to follow. Sure, and be successful. Right. Yeah. Because we all live not just for ourselves, but for everyone. For else. Everybody.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I think it's important. I mean, especially for our audience that's listening to this from other areas of the country that are thinking about relocating here. I know my mom was surprised when I told her. The Fayetteville Public Schools superintendent was black and that he's been serving in in some capacity for that school system since for 47 plus years. She was like, really? And again, a lot of times we have these preconceived notions about different parts of the country in different areas. But, you know, what I have found in being in northwest Arkansas in the last eight years that I've lived here is that this area is actually fairly diverse and becoming more diverse each and every day. And you are a prime example of what that diversity represents and the excellence that comes out of esteeming diversity above a lot of other things where, you know, we get into this whole mono society of just one thought, one idea only, instead of having a diverse group of people representing diverse thoughts and ideas. And so you certainly are a champion for that. And so I, I really want to um, to thank you for being that here in, in Fayetteville right. and beyond. Right. Yeah.
1: And I must say that Fayetteville has been very accepting. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Very inclusive. Right. Ever since I've been here, you know, that's 50 years ago. Oh, yeah. In Arkansas. Yeah.
0: And even before it, that, it my right. understanding be, yes. was that Fayetteville High School was one of the first high schools to integrate. Right. With, you know, without which, any problems whatsoever. Exactly. Yeah. Very
1: accepting. Yeah. That's the way we were, and that's the way we are today. Absolutely. Just, I tell people great. all the time, Northwest yeah. Arkansas is yeah. the it's best kept place. secret yes. in the country. Right. So. It is. It is.
0: <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> hey, that's the same thing I used to say when I used to go back. Guys, this is a well-hidden secret up there in Northwest you Arkansas. Know. Well, I mean, with
0: 30-plus people a day moving here, yeah. people yeah. clearly but it has are, changed. are getting see the that, message. See, I could yeah. say
1: that. It <laughs> about 40 years ago. It really was. It was yeah. not like that. But now- it's different. Uh, it, it's different. It yeah, has it grown really and, and it's very diverse. Yeah.
0: So as we as we wind up, and I know I've said that this is my third time saying as we wind <laughs> up, but what's next for you? What
1: what's are you next for today? John L. I know Colbert. you like to ride your bike on the trails. <laughs> yes, I, I see the
0: thing I notice is that I see you out on at a lot of events and I know you were part of the Dr. Martin Luther King Council, which does great work here in Northwest Arkansas. But what is next for you? I mean,
1: next for me is to, of uh, course, uh, continue to give to my community and still continue to be in Northwest Arkansas and Fayetteville because I have two granddaughters right. who will be in the Fayetteville school district. And I want to make sure I'm there to help God and, and help make sure that we stay on the right track. So that means a lot to me. I love Fayetteville. Yeah. I love the school district and I have an investment because I have those two granddaughters sure. who are going to be in there. So I need to be there helping and sharing my thoughts and, and voicing my concerns if there are any. Right. And so and, and so that'll be one thing. Uh, volunteers and on the second. I have a ninety four year old mother who lives in Rondo, Arkansas still and who's still going strong. I wanna spend a lot, a of, lot time of time with her. her. Yeah. I'm gonna be going over to Rondo quite, quite often. And I also just travel. I want yeah. just travel and enjoy life. You know, I haven't done that as much as I would like to have had, but now since I won't have a job to hold me down, <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you have options. Yes, as right. Because so. I have one schedule right after June the fifteenth, which is the ribbon cutting ceremony for the John L. Colbert Middle, Middle School. Then on that uh, Sunday, I'm getting on a plane going to Germany. Oh
0: wow! Yes, wow. right, right That's after exciting. that.
1: Yes, I'm looking forward to that. And that is is a two-fold type thing. One, remember, I'm a special ed teacher in Special Olympics. The uh, World Games is going to be in in Berlin, Germany while okay. I'm there. So of course, where I'm going to be sometime, I'm going to be there at some of the games, rooting and cheering on the, uh, uh, especially, yes, right. Mm-hmm. That's
0: awesome. That's awesome. Well, I mean, Dr. Colbert, I, I would say, you know, there is a saying that says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so I certainly, you know, from my perspective and just what I've gotten to know about you over these past couple of years, I want to say, well done great job for everything that you've done, for all that you are to this community. Your family must be proud to say, hey, that's my daddy. That's my grandfather. That's my son. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> mom. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so I, I just I personally want to thank you for your tireless resolve to serve this community's needs. And you are emblematic of what I see in Northwest Arkansas across the board in terms of people giving back selflessly throughout time. And I, I hope I can say the same thing in, in multiple years from now. But I really appreciate all that you've done. And I look forward to your next chapter. And we're, we're all rooting for you for the things that you're going to be doing next here in Northwest Arkansas and beyond. And And certainly know that you have a friend here at the podcast. And if you ever want to come back and share more stories about some of your experiences. And I mean, we just really touched the tip of the iceberg. 47 years, a 45-minute podcast is not going to cover it all. But I wanted to give people a little bit of an idea of really who John L. Colbert is. And just so people understand the scope and the breadth of of what is about to the vacuum that's that's going to be created because you are stepping away from your role and moving on to something else. But you've set us up for success. So I want to thank you for that. Thank
1: you. Yeah. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you very much for the time.
0: Absolutely. It was, it was my pleasure. Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. You can get all the show notes for this particular episode. Any contact information we'll get from Dr. Colbert, and we will share that out on the show notes. So if you want to reach out to him and send him a congratulations and a thank you, I think that would be totally appropriate to do. And I certainly want to encourage you to consider doing that. To learn more about us or to read or download the show notes from today's episode, visit I am Northwest Arkansas.com. You can listen to this podcast and sign up for our free newsletter to keep up with us and all things NWA. Sign up today. You can also subscribe to the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast wherever you listen to it, and please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Remember, our podcast comes out every Monday, rain or shine. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here next week for another new episode of the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit I Am Northwest We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.